Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Quick Take, your Apple Focus podcast. I'm your host, John Sherrod. And uh, today was a pretty fun day. Uh, always a, a good time to uh, watch Tim Cook and other Apple execs take the stage to, to tell us what's new, uh, what's coming in the world of Apple. And this week is Apple's annual Worldwide Developers Conference, which uh, typically takes place around the first week in June. And uh, you know that's a, a time where uh, thousands of Apple developers, developers who are, are creating uh, apps and products around uh, Apple's operating systems and app platforms uh, gather in uh, California to uh, to hear what Apple has planned, uh, particularly for its software, for its operating systems, uh, and uh, and also to uh, they get to go in and you know attend sessions led by Apple engineers and and talk to Apple engineers directly. So. If you're a developer working on uh, stuff on Apple's platforms, it's a really, really unique opportunity. Um, but for most of us who are looking at it from afar, the biggest thing is is the keynote that opens the Monday of every Worldwide Developers Conference. And uh, um, to, you know, sometimes there's there's hardware releases that are, that coincide with the Worldwide Developers Conference. But but first and foremost, this is an event letting developers know what they can expect in this year's major updates to Mac OS. Uh, iOS, watchOS, and tvOS, and certainly that's what we saw today. There were no uh, hardware announcements at the Worldwide Developers Conference. We had kind of talked about that in the last episode. That you know, certainly be great to see some, and and I certainly hope that Apple still has some updates, particularly to the MacBook Pro and the iMac um, coming. And of course, it would be wonderful to see Apple do something, anything with the Mac Mini. But today was a was a time focused on software announcements. And uh, some interesting stuff today, for sure. Um, and I think what I will do, because I want to kind of keep this brief, uh, is, is maybe just kind of go through the website, uh, what's on apple.com, and just kind of recap some of the things that they announced. I'll start off with tvOS, um, it, because it was uh, the one that kind of had the least amount of attention, and that's to be expected. Um, it's the one that, in many ways, I get the most excited about hearing what Apple has to say about, because uh, Apple TV has long been... Uh, arguably my favorite Apple product and, and, and platform now that tvOS is a thing, now that developers can create apps for it. A uh, couple of big announcements for Apple TV. One was that coming this fall, uh, Apple TV will support the Dolby Atmos surround sound standard. Uh, that's something that, uh, it was a disappointment for a lot of people that Apple TV has not supported that format up until now. Um, hasn't been a big deal for me because I have a Samsung TV, so I don't have Dolby Vision uh, which is the H- one of the two HDR formats that, that Apple TV supports. Um, and I don't have a Dolby Atmos compatible sound system or sound bar. So not a big deal for me, but for a lot of, uh, particularly the, the big home theater uh, audiophiles and, and cinephiles, this is, this is a pretty big deal. And it was something that kept a lot of those people from purchasing an Apple TV. So it's uh, one more thing. Now, they were a little vague in exactly how they're going to implement it. They certainly mentioned that um, content in the iTunes store uh, will become compatible with that. And they, they said that in, in the same way that you got a free upgrade to 4K titles once they became available in the iTunes store, um, if you have uh, existing titles in your purchase library uh, of your iTunes store content, if that content gets updated with Dolby Atmos support, you'll get it for free uh, automatically, which is awesome. Um, but, you know... Um, may remain to be seen exactly how much support for Dolby Atmos there is across the system for third-party stuff, but I hope it's there. I certainly hope it's there. The other big thing they announced for Apple TV was uh, kind of an improvement, uh, the next level of their single sign-on feature. And that's a feature where, you know how you go and you download like the ABC app, for example, and it asks you to, 
you know, authenticate with your uh, TV provider sign-on. And uh, Apple introduced a feature a while back for Apple TV called Single Sign-On, where the idea is that you can just sign into a single place with your, uh, you know, your cable provider's credentials, and then that just uh, automatically authorizes all the apps um, on your TV, so you don't have to go through that tedious process of unlocking and you know authenticating each individual app. Um, it's that's that's kind of a um, uh, sort of an incomplete feature because it doesn't support a lot of the big uh, cable providers. Uh, for example, I'm a Comcast customer, and I believe they're the largest uh, uh, provider of cable TV and internet in the country in America, but. Um, th- but they have not made uh, their Comcast service compatible with single sign-on. And um, what, what Apple introduced today, kind of the next step is instead of single sign-on, it's zero sign-on, which is, this is really cool, where it just, the Apple TV knows what cable provider's network you're connected to, and uh, it just automatically authenticates all that stuff, which is awesome. Um, again, I you know don't expect Comcast to be on board, unfortunately, at least not right away, but hopefully they will eventually. Uh, but they did announce, um, you know, some some participating providers. So that's that's a pretty cool thing. But those were really the two big things uh, as far as um, Apple TV was today. Um, let's dive into iOS 12 a little bit. So uh, iOS 12 got announced today. And, and of course, all these uh, up- updates to the operating systems will be shipping this fall. Um, but developers can get access to beta versions of the software right now to begin testing. Um, of course, if you are a developer, the, the best thing I can always recommend is not to install any of the beta operating systems on your daily driver computer. Um, but of course, many people are going to do that. Uh, one of the things that they, they started out talking about was that uh, iOS 12 was going to focus on performance and specifically improving performance on older devices. And um, I think this is this is a cool thing, an interesting thing for them to start out on because, you know, people who are who tend to maybe not like Apple in general or, or, or who are more conspiratorial in nature. Uh, some of those people have long said that Apple, you know, have speculated that maybe Apple is crippling uh, iOS and older devices to encourage you to upgrade to a newer iPhone, for example. Um, and, uh, you know, whether they were trying to combat that narrative specifically or not, uh, Apple opened up the conversation by talking about how um, if you have uh, an older iOS device, they specifically used uh, an example of uh, an iPhone 6 Plus, which is a few years old now, um, that, you, that you should notice uh, some, some nice performance improvements when you upgrade to the next version of iOS. You know, that's one of the things, too. Sometimes people say, ah, I just upgraded to iOS and now my phone feels slow. Well, Apple's claiming that your phone is going to feel faster when you upgrade to iOS uh, 12. They talked about, for example, 70% faster you know, swiping into the camera, uh, 50% faster, bringing the keyboard up onto the screen, uh, two times faster app launch under heavy workload, just some of those uh, kinds of things. Uh, so that's great. I mean, I think it's fantastic that Apple's putting development resources into trying to make sure that older devices work well with the latest version of iOS. And they should. I mean, if, if you're going to say that iOS is, is compatible with these older devices, then uh, to the you know the extent possible, you know you should be making sure that it performs well and testing it on those devices. So I I applaud Apple for that for sure. Another really cool uh, big announcement was is that uh, in iOS 12 uh, and also on macOS I believe they said uh, FaceTime uh, is going to introduce group chat. Uh, that's really cool because up till now uh, FaceTime has just been uh, a two way thing, which is interesting because uh, iChat. Uh, and, you know, and, and now it's called Messages on the Mac, but it's been iChat for years and years and years has supported 
you know, group uh, video chats. But FaceTime is getting it now, and you'll be able to do it with up to 32 people at once. Um, and I doubt many uh, group chats will be uh, that many, but but neat that it can support that many. And they showed a demo where it's kind of like you see the the different uh, tiles of the, the video windows of the people you're chatting with, and it just automatically brings them to the front. Kind of like Google Hangout, I think, is, is, a, is a similar thing to think of it as. Um, but, uh, but that's pretty neat. Um, and uh, um, it'll be interesting to see if this gets adopted much for use in uh, kind of enterprise environments for, for group chat and that sort of thing. Certainly in environments where there's a heavy uh, iOS presence, it'll, it'll be a nice thing for that, uh, for sure. They uh, introduced a couple of uh, new Animoji features. Uh, they introduced uh, a few different characters. There was a ghost and I believe a tiger and a T-Rex um, and maybe one more. And I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. But they introduced, in addition to those, a new feature called Memoji. And uh, this is something we've seen on other devices. I believe Samsung has something kind of like this. And of course, you know, really the inspiration for this goes all the way back to the Nintendo Wii from, from back in around 2007. Um, but this is where you can create your own Animoji that looks like your face. And it works a lot like creating a me character on the Nintendo Wii where you, uh, you know, you kind of choose a head shape and, and a hairstyle and hair color and eye color and nose and mouth shape and, uh, you know, glasses and hats and facial hair, all these different things to customize it, to, to make it look like you. And then it can do all the things that, uh, Animojis have done with the other little characters as far as tracking your face and recording a message to send to your friends. And they, <laughs> they even introduced, um, Oh gosh, how did they put it? Uh, tongue recognition. So that the Animoji will now let you stick your tongue out and it will actually recognize that. So, um, you know, Animoji is an interesting thing. I don't think that many people use it a ton. My kids love seeing it. Uh, so sometimes I'll pull it out just to show them and they, they like to like, you know, make it do that for their face as well. So they'll just stick their face in front of the, of the iPhone 10 and kind of play with that. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if uh, people use it more um, now that, um, it is, um, uh, that now that it's personalized to, to the look of the individual. So it'll be interesting to see if that, if Animoji gets, uh, um, higher adoption, um, because of that. Oh, Koala was the other new, uh, creature face, uh, that they added in. Um, yeah, it added some new camera effects, uh, including the new Animoji feature, but also some different things that you can quickly add text in and things like that. Um, uh, filters, that sort of thing, stickers um, onto to photos that you send to people in messages. Uh, they, they've continued focusing on AR, which is augmented reality, and, and that's the, the uh, feature where you can um, kind of interact with virtual things in the real world in a sense, where they used an example today where, let's say you're shopping for a Fender guitar, you can actually, you know, you can be looking on your iPhone screen and it's using the camera to show like a table in front of you and you can, you know, have the Fender app show you what your guitar is going to look like if you order it in like full size and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, they, they showed some other demos. There was a cool Lego uh, game that they did. Um, so they're just kind of expanding the things you can do with that. And they introduced um, a new app that's built into iOS 12 called Measure. And this is kind of similar to some some third-party apps, but this is you know, now coming built into the operating system, but it can do some things for you like, um, well, it's got a built-in level, which is always handy when you're hanging stuff, but uh, it also has uh, the ability to um, measure real objects um, 
you know, using the, the camera on the iPhone. So you can just kind of trace along and it'll tell you the dimensions of the object, which is pretty cool. It blows my mind that it's able to, to, to do that. Um, but that's pretty cool. Also for iOS 12, they introduced a, a new feature called Screen Time. And that is a couple things. It, it, it's, it, it's, a, it's a nice a suite of parental controls uh, for iOS. Now, iOS has had restrictions for a while so that if you, ha- you know, give your kid an iPad, for example, you can uh, you know, set you know, how, you know, what level of rating you want them to be able to watch content in iTunes, and you can um, you know, choose whether you want the App Store to show up on, the phone, on their device at all, or, or Safari for that matter, that kind of thing. But uh, screen time is both an extension of that, and also it's, 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 it's tracking information that even adults can find useful for how they're using their phone. So um, it shows you these really cool colorful graphs of exactly how much you've used your phone and exactly which apps and what types of apps um, you've been using the most. And so it can, can kind of maybe help you curtail uh, maybe some bad habits of, of getting sucked into social media, for example, for too long a time. You can even say, well, I want to put a limit on no more than an hour on social media per day on my device. And, and so, you know, that could be an interesting feature if you're just wanting a better sense of how you're using this and maybe even kind of put some boundaries on some of this content for yourself. But it also works with um, family sharing, which is a feature through iCloud where, you know, you can kind of uh, manage all the Apple IDs of your family members. And so you can, so this kind of, uh, you, you can see all this data for how your kids are using their devices and also set some limits, uh, kind of, kind of bolts onto the restrictions piece to let you set some time limits for them or some, some content restrictions, that sort of thing. So I think that's a really interesting feature. And I think a lot of people, especially parents, are going to find that uh, really nice. Uh, let's see, what are some other things? Photos, um, you know, kind of improving, continuing to improve the, the search function in photos. Um, but also this is a really cool thing. Um, let me just read how they put this on the website. The new for you tab shows you great moments from your photo library and intelligently suggests sharing photos with the people in them. So it recognizes who's in the photos and then it lets you share them and kind of says, Hey, why don't you share these with these people that were there? And then when you send them to the person, if that person's also using iOS 12, um, it'll prompt them to send you photos that they took at the same event you were at. So that's a really cool thing. You know, sometimes I think about um, how many different devices is there a picture of me in, you know, that maybe I was at an event with other people and they got a picture of me and I didn't even think about that to ask them about it later or maybe I didn't even know them or something. And, you know, how many, how, how many different devices do I show up on in people's photo library? And this can be a way to kind of help you uh, get some of those photos and, and share with each other if you're at an event together and that sort of thing. So uh, that's, uh, that's a really cool, uh, really cool feature. Uh, let's see. I want to talk about the Siri stuff they talked about. I was kind of looking to see uh, where, where they talk about this on the website. So um, one of the things that I talked about in, in kind of looking at my uh, Worldwide Developers Conference preview episode, which was the previous episode, is, you know, how is Apple going to meaningfully improve Siri this year? And we talked about the fact that, um, you know, some of, the, some of the perception out there is that Apple's falling behind in the smart assistant category. Um, and, you know, what's Apple going to do to kind of reassert itself and try to, try to get back in the, in the hunt for the lead on this thing? And uh, it was interesting. They didn't really, they didn't really get into the, um, 
you know, speaking to Siri and have it respond part of how Siri works. But they introduced uh, a new feature called Siri Shortcuts. Um, and, and this is interesting. Um, basically, you can, um, uh, you know, you might open up an app and it might suggest a shortcut to it. So they use some examples on stage like, you know, let's say, uh, you know, you have this habit of, you know, going to a coffee shop and getting a specific drink, you know, every morning. Well, you can kind of make a shortcut so that you can just say a certain phrase to Siri and it will automatically order your favorite drink and that sort of thing. Um, and, um, you know, they also kind of showed off, um, an app that goes along with this where you can see a gallery of some specific things. If you remember a while back, uh, Apple purchased a third party app called workflow, which was kind of like an automation app for iOS. It lets you set up, uh, different, um, things that would normally be tedious tasks. You can kind of set them up and kind of program them to be kicked off really quickly, and it looks like what Apple's done is they've uh, basically taken that team and that app and they've turned it into the shortcuts feature for uh, Siri. So they gave an example um, where you can say, um, let's say that you're, you're about to head home from work. You can kind of set up this kind of complex scenario where you tell Siri that, hey, I'm headed home. And it'll automatically you know, send your spouse a text uh, letting them know that you're on your way home. It will automatically you know, you know, start... Uh, playing uh, audio from uh, your favorite, you know, audio program. Um, it'll show the map, you know, bring up the map to give you an ETA on how long it's going to take to get home and show you the traffic conditions. So all of this stuff you can kind of set up ahead of time. And then just with a simple phrase to Siri, it will just pull all this stuff up and, and let you run it. And um, it's really interesting. I'd be curious to see how well this is adopted because one of the things that is a little complicated about it is you, you do have to go in and kind of set this stuff up, kind of program it. Um, they do have some, again, some pre-built things, kind of like Automator, the applic- the automation application on the Mac. Um, but it does require you kind of diving in and at least, you know, setting up a few of these things. They did show some examples where different apps will kind of suggest uh, some Siri shortcut ideas to you. And I hope that third-party developers really do take full advantage of that because I think that way will that'll help, you know, kind of surface this and remind people that this feature exists and get it out there. I'm certainly looking forward to playing with this and kind of seeing what, uh, what you can really do with it. Um, let's see. So several other little things. Um, redesigned a couple of apps. Like the stock apps now includes content from Apple News. Um, they have a redesigned voice memo app. Um, they have done some, some changes to the Apple News app, particularly the iPad version, where you kind of see a sidebar of different publications and, and that sort of thing. They really put a, a focus on curation. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about fake news and, and that sort of thing. And, and um, you know, I, I don't know that I necessarily trust Apple to be the purveyor of, of this stuff, but, um, you know, they, they talked about how, you know, we're going to help curate and, you know, help you find good, good sources of news. And, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes, but um, I kind of like the Apple News app in general, so interesting to see how they uh, how they roll this out and what they do with it. So let's jump over to macOS, um, and you know they've been for the last several years uh, using uh, uh, California place names for the the name of the operating system. So we we've had Sierra and High Sierra, and uh, coming this fall, the latest version of macOS version ten point fourteen is Mojave, named after the Mojave Desert. And uh, 
few interesting things. You know, on Friday, this was after I recorded the uh, preview episode, but on Friday, uh, one of the big features uh, leaked ahead of time. There was a video that somebody found on Apple servers that uh, showed off dark mode, and dark mode is one of the uh, key new features for Mojave. Um, Mac OS has had a, something of a dark mode for a while, but it, but not nearly as extensive as what was introduced in Mojave. What they had before was, you know, you could set it so that the menu bar and the dock were kind of darker, um, whereas the dark mode in Mojave, um, you know, darkens the Finder and all the window chrome and everything. So the whole operating system has a dark mode versus the, the light mode that we've always had in Mac OS up to this point. And, uh, you know, this is more than just a uh, aesthetic choice. Um, a lot of creative professionals, if you think particularly people like photographers and graphic designers and video editors, uh, prefer uh, dark modes. And a lot of the apps that these people use for the work that they do ha- will have a dark mode built in because um, it, it helps them see the color of the content they're, they're working on creating or editing better. Uh, when you have a lot of bright colors in the operating system around it, um, it uh, can be distracting and it can make it so that you're not really seeing the best color representation. So uh, this is going to be a big deal for, for, for people in those areas or people that uh, prefer to work in, in uh, dark environments. This is going to be more con- conducive to their way of working. But, but basically, when you upgrade to Mojave, it's going to ask you which, which you prefer, whether you prefer the dark mode or the light mode. And you can always switch back into this you know, between the two and system preferences. So uh, you're not locking yourself into... A particular choice, but nice to see it there. A little disappointing that iOS didn't uh, announce a dark mode as well. I know a lot of people have been waiting for that. Um, I don't know whether I'm going to use dark mode or not personally. Uh, this is, you know, I don't do that kind of work where I need a dark mode. Um, so it would really just come down to a preference for me. And, and, and in general, I really like the, the light mode that Mac OS has always had. So uh, we'll see. I think I'll probably try it out for a while and kind of see how it goes. And um, you know, choose, you know, decide later whether I want to keep it that way or not. Uh, they also introduced an interesting thing, a dynamic desktop. You know, the default desktop in Mojave is of a sand dune, and um, it, uh, the dynamic desktop means that it kind of changes the, the brightness of it across the day. So in the morning, it looks like a sand dune in the morning, and as the day goes on, the, the light changes as if the sun was shining over it. I, I think it's pretty neat. I hope we see um, you know, more of these, not just that one, but maybe additional uh, adaptive desktops uh, or dynamic desktop is what they call it. Excuse me. Uh, Stacks is a really interesting uh, thing for the finder, for the desktop in particular. Um, you know, we, we all know people, or maybe we are those people who have just a ton of icons of files scattered on the desktop. And um, Stacks uh, is a really neat mode where you can turn it on and it basically takes all those files on your desktop and it groups them together into stacks based on what type of file they are. So let's say on your desktop you have a bunch of spreadsheets, a bunch of photos, a bunch of videos, a bunch of text files. Um, It's going to just group all those together into a stack and when you click on it, it'll expand out and show you all the different files you have on that. So that can be a a nice compromise for uh, those of us who... uh, kind of hate the fact that we have a messy desktop, but, but we do it anyway. So, but I liked it. That was a neat thing. And it kind of felt like one of those old school, uh, Mac OS features, kind of like stacks, uh, were in the dock years ago. And, uh, some of those different things that have been done in the past. So I thought that was a neat, a neat little feature, uh, that was added. Uh, the finder, uh, has some, some new features. It's got, uh, a new view, which is 
kind of like CoverFlow. They call it gallery view where, you know, with CoverFlow, it was kind of like uh, the, the view where it looked like you were flipping through like an album cover type thing, which was a feature that really debuted on the iPod and um and uh came over to the mac and uh it i don't know i always thought it was kind of clunky i've never really used CoverFlow, but gallery view uh maybe a little more useful particularly if you're looking at photos in the finder instead instead of CoverFlow, where you see like a list of files and then up at the top you see a larger than icon size a preview uh gallery view gives you a, a big uh look at the picture and then below it you see little thumbnails and you can kind of swipe through that way so uh very much like an iphoto kind of experience but but in the finder and then uh there's a new right column in the finder sidebar where you can have some quick actions like markup or rotation for photos or they even showed an example of uh using an automator action uh so that uh that is an interesting thing and you can see full metadata for photos and, and that sort of thing in, in that new sidebar um so that's that's uh that's pretty cool uh screenshots they've they've now brought uh kind of the the uh ios 11 style uh screenshot features to the mac so if you take a screenshot now um instead of just saving it as a a, a photo file to the desktop um, you see down in the bottom right corner a thumbnail of the image appear. And when you click on it, it brings up a big look at the screenshot with some markup tools and things like that. And then you can uh, choose to save it uh, at that point. So that's, uh, that's a pretty neat enhancement to uh, screenshots that brings it more in line with uh, what um, iOS has been doing for a little while. Uh, so that's pretty cool. They also uh, showed a neat thing. Uh, continuity is a neat feature where your uh, your iPhone and your Mac can uh, can share some things and be in sync with each other, and it can do some things like Apple Watch unlocking your Mac, for example. And they introduced some new enhancements for that, um, where now you can actually use your your camera and your iPhone to take a picture and have it pop up on your Mac and and you know drag it into Pages or Keynote or you can actually um, you know, click a button in an app on your Mac to turn on a scanning feature, and then your iPhone you know, wakes up into the camera mode and lets you scan something in. So uh, that's, a pretty cool, um, that's a pretty cool enhancement to uh, the continuity feature. Uh, they brought the News app to the Mac. Great if you use Apple News. Uh, maybe not super exciting if you don't. And um, this was interesting. This was, I, I guess, um, kind of the, uh, the one more thing as it were, for, um, uh, for the Mac, where uh, Craig Federighi was on stage and he was saying, you know, a lot of people have been asking, are we going to merge Mac OS and iOS? And then a big giant uh, no, you know, the word no dropped down uh, onto the screen and they said, no, we're not doing that. However, one of the things they are doing, and they've kind of dip their toe into it with some of their own apps and then next year they'll introduce this uh, or you know expand this out to third party support but they're making it um easier to bring uh, to kind of port iOS apps over to the Mac you know iOS and watchOS and tvOS are all a whole lot more alike than macOS is um there's a lot of the same underlying frameworks and structure and code but uh, macOS is a little different in large part because it's an operating system that's designed for mouse and keyboard interface, whereas uh, the other operating systems are designed around touch. Um, but uh, so there's been some challenges in you know someone who's learning how to design, uh, develop, and code apps for uh, iOS 
you know, they, they, need, they would in the past have had to learn some additional skills to translate that over into the Mac, and Apple's trying to make it easier to bring great iOS apps over to the Mac. And uh, they actually have done this a little bit. Um, the Apple News app, Stocks app, Home app, and Voice Memos app, which are all new to the Mac, um, have all been uh, brought over using that process. So these were apps that, that started out on iOS that Apple brought over to the Mac in that way. And uh, so that's going to be really interesting to see how third-party developers um, take advantage of this once Apple opens it up for them next year. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens there. Uh, speaking of home, it was just really cool to see the Apple Home app uh, come over to the Mac. Um, I don't have a ton of smart home. In fact, I just have one smart home device, a smart thermostat, but I absolutely love it and want to do more of the smart home stuff. And uh, Apple's uh, home app is a great way um, to have a single place to control all of your HomeKit compatible devices. And in the past, it's been an iOS only thing. And now with Mojave, they're bringing it to the Mac. And so that's, that's really awesome. And uh, there, there's, there's other little things, but just for the sake of time, the last thing I'll mention that they talked about for the Mac was uh, redesigning the Mac App Store. Really cool to see the Mac App Store get some attention. And, uh, you know, now, uh, the, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a visual overhaul change. Now, instead of having everything, all the different uh, navigation tools along the top, it's, it's a sidebar. Um, and uh, that gives a little more room in the main window to, to show things and also makes the navigation a little more clear, I think. Um, but uh, um, also they're bringing over some of the, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, they, they, basically over in, in iOS for a while, starting with iOS 11, I believe, they introduced um, this feature to the App Store where there's some um, uh, there, greater curation and um, editorial is not the right word, but they have write, you know, writers who are writing up uh, these great little summaries of what these apps can do and how they can benefit you and things like that. And they're bringing that feature over to the Mac app as well. And um, kind of a surprise, they also announced that uh, Microsoft is bringing Microsoft Office uh, to the Mac app store and Adobe's bringing products to the Mac app store and some other developers like Panic is bringing Transmit back to the app store. So be really interesting to see, uh, you know, whether to learn in the future, you know, did Apple renegotiate, um, you know, the terms that they have for the revenue split when somebody buys an app in the App Store. You know, that was always a sticking point for a lot of developers because, you know, seeding Apple 30% was a lot to ask and not everybody was willing to do that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to, to, to see, you know, did Apple renegotiate some of that or, or, you know, in what way did they incentivize some of these companies to either come back to the App Store or to start using the App Store for some of these products for the first time? But uh, that's good, you know, making, making the App Store, you know, better for developers is great for developers, but it's also great for the users because it brings more of that content uh, into the Mac App Store. So that, uh, that's pretty cool. So that's uh, Mac OS Mojave. And then uh, last but not least, uh, Watch OS 5. Um, this, uh, a little sad if you have a first-generation uh, Apple Watch. This is, this is not going to run on your device. You have to have at least a Series 1, Series 2, or Series 3 a device for this to run on. But um, honestly, I think that's okay. I think getting four major OS versions for the first-generation Apple Watch on that hardware was about what I would have expected. So I don't think a huge a disappointment. But they added some, um, some additional things. Of course, activity is a big thing 
for Apple Watch. Uh, that's one of the things that people love about it the most. And so they've added more, um, you know, kind of competition type stuff in so you can challenge your friends uh, to more things. Um, they have uh, changed some things with workout so that the Apple Watch can kind of detect if it thinks you started a workout and can ask you, hey, did you start a workout? And it can kind of automatically start doing that, which is, uh, which is nice. Um, you know, they've also, uh, um, added, uh, Apple podcast as an app to the, uh, to the Apple watch. And that's really good, especially if you're, if you're running and you don't have your iPhone. And, and, and of course that's one of the nice things about, um, the, uh, Apple watch series three was that it's got cellular data. Of course it's got GPS. Uh, you could pair a pair of AirPods or some other Bluetooth headphones right up to it. So, they, they introduced music for that uh, in the past, but now they're bringing the podcast app over as well. And I think that's fantastic because I listen to a ton of podcasts. Obviously, I'm creating a podcast that I hope that people are listening to now. So great to see that. Uh, they added a, a kind of a neat little walkie-talkie mode uh, to the Apple Watch. Uh, so if you're in this uh, the walkie-talkie app and you've got friends with Apple Watch, you can just press a button and talk. And they'll get notified on, on their device uh, right away. So that could be really cool. They showed an example of... I think maybe a couple of brothers or, or siblings camping in different tents and they were kind of doing walkie-talkieing back and forth to each other. Really cool uh, way to do that. Uh, added some, some new things with Siri, kind of some things along the lines of the, um, um, of the, the new Siri features, the new Siri shortcuts uh, for iOS. Uh, but also, um, you know, they said, hey, you know, the way it works now, you raise your, your watch and you say, hey, Siri, try not to trigger it on your device if you're listening, and that that gets Siri to uh, to respond. Well, well, you know, it knows that you're raising your wrist to do that, so we can just kind of cut out the the hey Siri part. So instead, you'll just raise your your wrist, and it will um, just be ready for you to ask it a question, and Siri will respond. So that's good. You know, I, I would like to have seen more from Siri. Um, I want to be wowed and totally blown away by Siri, uh, but encouraging to see at least uh, some 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 real updates to Siri in this version. And hopefully we'll have more this time next year as, um, you know, they'll have had more time for that uh, AI specialist that they hired from Google to come on board and, and help them out. So, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. Also, um, you know, with the Apple Watch, they uh, introduced a kind of a neat thing for students. Um, you, know, uh, you know, I think student ID cards are being used for more and more things uh, at colleges, um, you know, that might be used for, getting you into a door or using it to pay for a meal and that sort of thing. And they've basically, Apple is, is integrating uh, student ID cards uh, into the Apple Watch and they announced some participating uh, universities that are, that are joining them in this initial trial, but where you can just use the Apple Watch uh, for that feature. So that's a, a great thing for students. Well, I know I've blown through this, but again, my goal with Quick Take, as the name implies, is to kind of keep things brief and to the point because you've got a lot of other podcasts I know you want to listen to out there. Um, but uh, definitely, if there's something that I didn't talk about, uh, hopefully I'll get to it in the next coming days. We'll probably have lots of time to kind of digest this and there'll be little features and snippets that get out that didn't make the keynote. So there'll be lots of stuff to talk about in the days ahead. But if there's something I didn't talk about that you would like me to talk about from uh, today's announcements, let me know. You can reach me on Twitter at JWSherrod. That's S-H-E-R-R-O-D. Um, love to have you uh, give a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. That really helps get the word out. And uh, I will see you next time on Quick Take.